When did the image of success become so shallow and cookie cutter? It's carefree entrepreneurship, sprawling homes, and curated aesthetics, all wrapped up in a simplified social media post rife with the latest buzzwords explaining how you're just one manifestation away from the life of your dreams. But building thriving businesses and positioning yourself as a leader in any industry has little to do with hitting these external validations and everything to do with cutting through the crap and getting to work. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, marketing strategist, and your host in this discussion. I've spent decades studying the mechanics of success so I could reverse engineer the process. Together, let's specifically define what success means to you and determine the steps to get you there. With real strategies, exclusive interviews, and game-changing ideas you can implement into your life and business. It's time to go beyond the facade, beyond the posturing, beyond the image to create real change personally and professionally. This is the Beyond the Image Podcast. My guest today is Courtney Telia. Courtney, how are you doing today? Wonderful. How are you? Doing good. It's Friday afternoon. Yes. I had a busy week of shoots. You and I just concluded our shoot. Yes, we did. Um, I want to get into your story a little bit. Obviously, there's been innumerable headlines of, of <laughs> yes. your your career and really your transition from one career to another. Um, you were a teacher. Uh, yeah. Yes, I was. And then all of a sudden you hit this turning point. Yeah. What, what was it that all of a sudden created a, a very big shift or inciting incident for you? Yeah. I think the media portrays as this big moment, but there was like a, a few years of things where like I found myself as a teacher really depressed and, and really unhappy in my career. Mm-hmm. Um one, obviously, we know teachers don't get paid well, so financially <laughs> there was that hard place. Um, but it was just a lot of stress of like of the environment, and it just wasn't a career that actually fit me like I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And I had was having this moment where I was like, I don't enjoy this, but I was taught that I should stick in a career for 20 to 30 years. I went to school for this. I have a bachelor's. Yep. I have a master's. And I was a year away from my PhD that I was working on, too, where I had this huge moment where I was like, what am I even doing I don't like any of this. Um, And so I talked to my husband about it, and he was like, find what you love. Um, If you could do anything all day and money wasn't an obstacle, what would you do? And I said, I'd go to the gym. And he said, great, resign and go to the gym. And so I did. I stuck out the school year, and then I started training people. Mm -hmm. um, And that kind of transitioned to all these different things of like me modeling, um, me starting my own business as a life coach, and... And then obviously joining OnlyFans. So what was so interesting about this is there was obviously this period where you had to take this risk of leaving a job, something that, okay, doesn't pay well, but at least there's consistent, reliable, uh, pays bills. And I'm assuming there are benefits that come with it. Sure. Everyone always told me I was crazy because they're like, there's no job that offers more time off than a teacher. Mm-hmm. And they're not wrong, right? Like there, you get two weeks off and you get summers and you get Christmas and you get all these great holidays, but I'm also not making any money during those times. So like while I have the time off, uh-huh. I'm also really broke. Um, and I was working other jobs too at the time. It's just like everything together. I was like this, I just don't feel like this is what life was meant to be. Mm-hmm. What what was the kind of that light bulb moment that you realized that you could start monetizing your own content? Ooh, um, actually, like while I was still a teacher, 
we had started to grow my Instagram mm-hmm. and people had started messaging asking for private or explicit content. Okay. And I was really new to it and I was really uncomfortable with it at the time. But I was like, I I'd made my first video and I was like, wow, I actually had a really great time and paid rent in what in an hour. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the time where I was like, wait, like you can monetize anything that you do, whether it is like your body or your expression or like your gifts and your services of whatever it may be that I was like, that is what I'm going to do. So there's obviously a lot of societal taboo around content marketing. And what's interesting about it is there didn't seem to be as much vitriol when it was a traditional model setup when there was a production company that Mm -hmm. hires a bunch of adult actresses films it but all the money goes up to the production companies which are primarily run by men men right but now you made the content you own the content so no one else owns this content so you have the copyright and you are the sole profiter from this that seems to be a very it's it's inequitable in the sense of why are we judging this and not the other yeah. thing? So and compound that with your teacher, right. and there's probably a lot of rules in regards to what you're allowed <laughs> to do versus not allowed to. So totally. how are you kind of reconciling all this at this at this time? It's been like a few years of kind of reconciling because it has been like I feel like I am going against society. What society has told me is okay, um, and kind of going against like my own upbringing, which was like very religious. Mm -hmm. Um, and also being a teacher, which is this noble thing and you're expected to have, do nothing outside of it. At one point I got in trouble for drinking a glass of wine and posting a picture on Facebook, got called into the office for that. Um, and it was like, I'm doing something that's totally legal. I'm of age. I'm having a glass of wine. Like I'm not obliterated on the internet. Um, but it was like, it felt like they were starting to like control every aspect of my life. And that was like, when I was like, wait a second, like, I'm so unhappy and you're controlling everything that like, there's always going to be people unhappy. I'm doing the most noble job that you guys could say that I could do. And you're still at me for things. And so then I was like, well, I might as well do what makes me happy. That Mm -hmm. brings me joy. Somebody's always going to have something to say about it, but at least I'm happy. And that is what like, and then also like my kids get to see a mom who's happy. Like I'm able to be present with them versus like always stressed and snappy, which was a place that I was in. Um, And my marriage wasn't doing well because I'm not, wasn't doing well. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think the thing that we should actually be looking at is like, how happy are you? Do you Mm -hmm. have joy? Do you have fulfillment? How are your relationships? Like, do you feel fulfilled in life? Those are things that I think should be measured. I agree. (laughs) <laughs> whether or not society yeah, is, is on board with that. They don't necessarily always agree. I, I, think, I think when when it's easy for an individual to agree, it's harder for a group sure. to, to get on board with, with any well, of these things. There's so many stigmas around it. And I get that. I know that I'm fighting against or going against things that we were taught, how we were raised, uh, religion. There's so many things that are like piled on top of that I go against so many of those things. And I'm aware of that. And I, I try and be gentle with my approach to that, knowing that, like, I'm triggering people. But I'm not going to allow that to stop me on my mission. That's an interesting balance. How do you how do you contend with that at the beginning? Because that's that's not something someone has innate strength or they're not born with that strength. I feel like that yeah. has to be developed. I think it's been, like, a gradual process for me of, like, even my own process. I've always done it at my own pace. Mm-hmm. I never did anything that was, like, 
oh, well, now you need to up your content because like people are bored or you can make more money. Like I always did at a pace that I felt good about. Um, but with that being said, it was like, I think people gradually warmed up to like, okay, Courtney is like, oh, there's Courtney nude on the internet or like topless or whatever. It just became so normalized that like it became like kind of expected maybe. Um, but I forgot what I was going to say. That thought is gone. Sorry. No, that that's totally fine. You know, I mean, as we're kind of navigating this, what what's so interesting about it is there's been this, you know, since, and you launched in what, 2019? 2019, And then 2020 happened. So Mm -hmm. that, that raised demand along with supply. Yeah. And, and I've noticed that those things are probably tracking simultaneously. It's not like there's been more supply than the ban or too much demand and not enough supply. Um, but we've had this massive explosion of user generate content and and it's it's been quite liberating yeah. for for so many individuals who have become entrepreneurs in, right. in a completely new way um how when did you start looking at this and realize that this is more than just a side hustle that this is this is a job this is something that yeah. is is like this is bringing in real results yeah So when I joined the platform, I was like, man, it would be so cool if I could make like $500. I joined because I was frustrated with community guidelines on Instagram. And I was like, $500 car payment insurance would be so cool. My first month, I made $1,700. I actually scrolled back to look a couple weeks ago. And I was like, wow, like that actually was three times what I had originally anticipated. When I realized that it was more of a like more than just a side hustle was when I created a free page as well. So then I was running two pages. Okay. Um, And then they were both bringing in five figures. And I was like, this is like, one, taking time. It takes time to create, to edit, to put content out mm-hmm. and to put content out consistently. Not like for me, it wasn't just like, I'm going to put content out once a day. It's multiple times a day that I'm putting content out, the marketing of it. And then I was like, this is pretty much a full-time job in many ways between like talking to your subscribers, putting content out, creating content, the marketing of putting it on other social media platforms. There's a lot more that went into it than I think I originally anticipated. And I think because the site is not um, search engine optimized, yes. it's it's set up to be exclusively for your fans, hence right. the name. Uh, if you do not have an audience, it's hard to have fans right or to you know you have such a limited number that you're going to port on over um and so you have to be very creative and Mm -hmm. and intentional and proactive in regards to getting the link put out in so many different outlets now for those that aren't familiar you mentioned you have a paid account and a free account and both were earning i have three accounts total now you have three accounts now yeah for those that don't know how do how does a free account earn revenue for you so it's free to subscribe, but they have to put a credit card in to be able to subscribe. So any, so I sell pay-per-view content. So it's anything mm. that you would have to pay to get access to. It's the same as if you were to go to like Amazon Prime and rent a movie, right? You can see the trailer for it. Yep. But to watch the actual movie, you're going to have to pay the rental fee. So it's upsells. It's upsells. Mm-hmm. So essentially the same thing. So I'll, I'll do like a little preview. Maybe it's a photo. Maybe it's a video. And then to actually get the content, they have to pay. At what point did um, did the work start to really ramp up? You mentioned the first month you made seventeen hundred. Yeah. Um, 
when did this start to really grow for you? I think I think in 2020, probably when the demand really increased is around mm-hmm. the time when I think I created my free page in March of 2020, which was around the time that everyone had started Talk quarantining. About perfect timing. Yeah. And so that's really the time that everything ramped up where I was like really trying to mass produce content. Um, put out content as much as possible and get all the pages like just just sending out all day. So when you talk about like marketing the different pages, what yeah. are some of the platforms? I, I know you were really involved in Instagram and you've had, you and I were talking offline, you've had yeah. some headaches in regards to like trying to get your accounts to stay active. Right. Um, outside of Instagram, what have you been using for awareness of your brand and your channels you know the biggest platform that always shocks people but makes me the most money is tiktok interesting yeah because it's so easy to go viral on there and Mm -hmm. you don't have to have anything sexual obviously they have the strictest community guidelines Yep. but going viral on there super easy they are the best at they follow you on tiktok they watch your viral video they follow you on tiktok they see that your instagram is linked so you don't even have to have a big Instagram. You're essentially using Instagram as a landing page. Mm. They go from Instagram. They know where your link in bio is. And then they immediately click that and they subscribe. Okay. It seems like a lot of steps, but they re- they do it. And they are willing to do it. And so I make a lot of money on TikTok. So TikTok is then the awareness tool. Instagram mm-hmm. basically becomes the routing page. Yeah, like- I use Instagram more now as a routing page than anything else. So while I don't. It gets frustrating going having new pages or having my main page taken down. I mainly just need a landing page right now. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like, so TikTok, obviously, for, for audience awareness, are there other platforms that you're using to try to pump content out? I use Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not, I don't know how to use Reddit, but I've heard great things about Reddit as far as- I was going to ask if Reddit was yeah. big for you. I don't use it. I don't know how to use it really, um, but I've heard great things about that. I've heard it's really great if you have a, um OnlyFans account, but you want to keep your identity private. Reddit is really great for being able to market that while keeping your identity private. Mm. Interesting. Oh, because your Reddit profile can be somewhat anonymous. Yes. And there's so many like forums on there where you can post, you know, something that's like, there's like whole forums where girls are posting topless photos without their head in it. And so it's easy to kind of bring people from that area to your mm-hmm. private sites. So, you know, looking at OnlyFans, and and I don't have a tremendous amount of experience with the platform, but I do have experience with uh, membership services and selling yeah. memberships. Um, one of the things is getting someone to sign up. Sure. And then once you get them to sign up, it's keeping them to be yeah. a member. So reducing churn so that you sure. know, people who sign up and then immediately un- un- unsubscribe. Um, yeah. What has been your strategy for the first of those two, which is encouraging signups? Because the one thing about OnlyFans is it's very closed in regards to what is available to be seen and mm-hmm. and read outside that paywall. Yes. So what has been your 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 I guess strategy to build enough confidence that someone is going to either opt into the free one or yeah opt into to a paid version? I like to create kind of teasing content or just fun content where people get to know me. It can be sexy, but it can be my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I also because I used to be a teacher, I do play into that kind of fetish or that kind of area. 
Um, and so that I don't have an issue. People subscribe all the time. But like you said, I think the biggest thing with marketing is keeping them there. How to keep them. Yeah. And so I I play around with that a lot to see kind of what it is. I'm viral in the media a lot. And so I have huge influxes of subscribers. And my my thing is like, I want to keep you here as well. Mm -hmm. So one of my biggest things that I do is I send out gifts. Um, OnlyFans has a, a thing where they you can see who has their renew on and you can send messages specifically to those people who have their renew turned on. And so probably about once a week, sometimes a couple times a week, I'll say like, I'm sending out this special, special message or this special gift to everybody who has renew on that gets them to kind of turn it on if they haven't got it on or they get excited because they already have it on. Um, and that's a great way that I find to kind of keep people. So value added content yeah. is, is what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, that led me to another question, which is escape now from my mind. <laughs> so um, looking at at having your paid version and, and a free version, then you said you have a third account now. I do. It's a store. So what I, what I came to kind of find out is that my people who are on my paid subscription site, they're looking for specific content. But to get them that specific content, because you cannot do a pay-per-view on a paid page. Okay. You can only do that in a message, but they'll only get that if I send it to them right then, right? Mm -hmm. So I essentially have to be on 24-7 to be able to send these people their content when they're looking for it. Sure. So I made a store where my people who are VIP subscribers can go essentially shop any hours of the day, all night, and they... And it's organized into categories, so they get specific access, and it's at a discounted price versus on the free page because they're already a paid subscriber. And so they get to shop at all hours of the night. I don't answer any messages. I literally just upload the same pay-per-view content as I send in messages onto that page. Mm -hmm. One of the things you mentioned is you you do a lot of media pushes, and yeah. that has that has helped with an influx of whether it's one-time purchases or just just general brand awareness, yeah. what has been your your tactics in regards to how you're garnering media? Yeah, so I <laughs> I send tweets to people um, as kind of my my approach to the media. And I just kind of, what I've realized is they really like, um, they're big, like they're big stories. Like I went from this to this. I went from yep. a teacher to an OnlyFans. The one that was most viral recently, about a month ago, was I went from bankruptcy, like I literally filed bankruptcy in 2017, to a millionaire on OnlyFans. And so that one went crazy because people like to see a transformation, right? Yep. They want to see that like it's possible for them. They want to see you do it. They want to know how you did it. And so I, I come up with different things that are like that are obviously real to my life, but it's like, here's a story for you. And I'll send it out in mass messages, in tweets, and then they'll... They'll message me back. I love that you brought up that you have a headline with a hook already, yeah. bu already built in. Who mm -hmm. taught you how to do that? Actually, a good friend of mine. Yeah? Yeah. He he does media. Um, mm -hmm. He has been on like CNN or um, Home and Family. And so he he's the one who taught me all of that. One of the other things that you do is you'll pick things that are happening within within the industry mm -hmm. that are topical yeah and you'll provide a commentary on it mm -hmm. uh so and i and i thought that was really interesting because you were able to garner press as a result of that yeah. but by basically jumping on something that's already happening yeah. and saying this is happening you're you're featuring this already in the news i'm a part of this let me provide 
context or let yes. me provide an angle on this. I do that a lot. Um, or like I like to add value to people. I really do want to help people. And so I'm always thinking about like how can I add value to people or help people change. So I, one of the things I did recently is I offered my OnlyFans training course for free to all teachers or all educators. Um, I've seen how it is to struggle as a teacher. And so I was like, I want to be able to give back. Um, and so I offered it for free and obviously that's very controversial. So it created a huge media buzz, which is a win for everybody, right? Like more teachers. I had so many messages from teachers around the world who are like, thank you so much. This course changed my life. And now able to make money or put myself out there, whatever it may be. I'm obviously getting the media buzz. So I'm making my own money off of it. Mm -hmm. And like people are being supported. Like to me, I try and find those like win wins for everybody where I can like really everyone wins from it. What have you seen shift within – it's only – it's been a, a very finite amount of time, but three years is a lifetime, mm -hmm. especially the last three years has been a <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. What have you seen as an evolution within this industry since since you've started, whether it's from the people who are creating the content to the way the content is consumed to the purchasers? I'm just yeah. curious if you've seen any trends that you've noticed. Um. I, I would actually say that people seem to be more, it's nor more normalized. Um, I think when I started OnlyFans um, or like even I had done, I didn't fully do a Snapchat, Snapchat subscription, but I was doing something kind of similar to that. It was very, it was very taboo. Like mm -hmm. it was like crazy that you would sell any kind of explicit content on the internet. I feel like now it's become so normalized. Like we see celebrities have OnlyFans, like everyone kind of has an OnlyFans to where it is becoming very normal, which I, I love that it doesn't have the taboo-ness around it because it's not just about this thing being taboo. It means that we can own our sexuality, we can own our expression, we can own our desires. And from that comes beautiful conversations. I think people think that I only sell like explicit content and that's it. But I have such amazing conversations in my DMs for people who are like, Thank you for providing a safe space for me to own my desires because now I went and told my wife and we watched our content together and we've grown in intimacy and connection. And there's so many beautiful things that can come from that, from normalizing it. And this is fairly new as an American idea, but maybe not yeah. new in other countries. <laughs> true. Very, very true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was interviewing... Um, the director of communications for a nonprofit organization called Decriminalize, and their mission is to decriminalize sex work in America. And sex work, kind of that phrase covers everything, yeah. including the work that that you do. Right. But the work you do is protected under the First Amendment. Yeah. If you remove the camera, it's now illegal. Yeah. And that right there is such a weird thing so weird. to to wrap their head around. So they've been, you know, we were talking about um, the how New Zealand had changed their laws to a a decriminalized platform, and just how it lowered crime rates, mm -hmm. it lowered uh, sex trafficking rates. Yeah. Like so many things went down as a result. Right. And it's when we, once again, start to normalize it versus trying to push things in the corner and make people – think with anything. If you're making people hide yeah. what they're doing, it's going to lead to some less desirable individuals It doesn't individuals stop the thing from happening. Correct. It, yes. it just makes it unsafe for others. Mm -hmm. um, and that's my biggest thing with it too is like if we can yeah, decriminalize it, we can make it safe. 
Have you seen any because because the whole thing about OnlyFans that has really rocked the industry is it's user created and user owned. Yes. There are not really. I mean, I guess you can have a a ghost production company mm-hmm. running something, but ultimately someone has to use their own identity to create Correct. an account. Yes. Um, have you seen? anyone try to threaten that or take that down or um, try to put it back to the old model, which is we have a corporation that runs this and you have to work for the corporation. We just write you a check. Uh, the closest thing I feel like I've seen is this, these like management companies that mm-hmm. come in. They really frustrate me actually, because it's not coming from a place of, I see that you're overwhelmed and I want to help you to get your content out. I want to help you to, um, you know, make it easier for you. It's literally coming from the place of, I saw that you are making so much money off of your own image. How can I take some of that? How can I take some of your money? And that makes me sick because so many of these girls are signing up for it. So OnlyFans takes 20% of everything. Mm -hmm. And then you have these management companies who come in and they'll take an additional 30%. So by the end of it, and that's like, kind of an average number. Some of them are taking a lot more and some are taking a little bit less. Um, but by the end of it, you have a creator who's making 50% of her, her, his, or whatever, their own profits. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's not coming from a place of, I want to help you. It's literally coming from, I saw you're making so much money. Mm-hmm. And I, tap into this. because I've been in the media so much, I have a ton of them in my DMs who mm-hmm. are like, I saw you in the news. Can I, can I manage your account? And I'm like, stop, like, that's so, it's so gross to me. So how do you then, so for those that hear this and the thing, okay, well, maybe I'll just manage it myself. Mm-hmm. How do you orchestrate your time to yeah. be able to, to run this? Because as you mentioned, this is a tremendous amount of work. It's not right. just creating the content, adding the content, distributing the content, building rapport with, with the audience and nurturing your audience. Like all that is part of this and yeah. all of that takes time. Yeah. My big thing is like outsourcing the things that you can. So if there's editing photos, if there's um, taking the photos, if there's like parts like that that you can outsource, those are the things that I do. I have somebody who like um, will put like because I have mass messages going out that she will get it ready to go out Mm -hmm. and set it up. But like you can have things like that outsource, but having it go to a full company that takes agency over everything that being said, too, there are management companies that are great, that do mm-hmm. great things for people that grow their followings. But it's really doing your homework to find out which ones those are. And like, to me, I can feel energetically or I just get this feeling from when I talk to them of like, are you here because like you actually know how to help people? You have actual proof of that, not some screenshot you found on the Internet, not the one model that has millions of followers that was successful on her own. But do you have actual proof of being able to grow? And how are you going to help me um, to grow bigger? There are some that do that. There's just too many that are crap. Mm -hmm. So you were in a situation you weren't happy. You created a new situation in which brings you happiness, brings you joy, obviously Mm -hmm. is bringing you wealth. Have you set any ideas and or visions for where you want to take this from here? Yeah, actually, we're working on a television show because Mm. I want to be able to help more people to get out of their own way 
mm-hmm. terms of we all have things that we would love to do, but our fear or resistance or or what our family and friends are going to think. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be OnlyFans. It can be things like I'm really I really love kink, but I'm too nervous to talk to my partner about it. Or I really want to get this plastic surgery, but I'm worried about judgment from my friends where I get to help them to kind of move through those different things and those experiences to kind of own their true desires. I love that. Yeah. Courtney, where can audience members go to learn more about you and the work you're doing? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at the Courtney Tilia and CourtneyTilia.com on my website. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.